offering information for your mind, enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Hi, I'm John Davis, and welcome to Sabbath School U. Uh, today I'm joined with three awesome guests, and from the very end, you are? Andrea Keel. I'm Abby McPherson. I'm Marcellus Ashley. All right, and we're going to be talking about today's lesson, Comrade, Comrades in Arms. But before we start, we're going to ask Abby to pray. No problem. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to join together to discuss this lesson. Father God, we pray that you will allow our minds to be able to understand the things that you have for us and that we can share it in this form, uh, continue to be with um, just the context and just help us to, to be able to live this out um, through Christ Jesus. We pray. Amen. 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 So when I was looking at this lesson, uh, one of the things that stuck out with me was just how close Jesus stuck to everyone. I mean, it wasn't just kind of a friend like, you know, standing from a distance, but he was just really close, like arm in arm with everyone. And, you know, no matter whether it was the disciples or whether it was someone who was sick and in need of healing, you know, he just always remained close. And so, you know, can anyone tell me, you know, why, you know, what, what is it about Jesus that, that you think made him want to be close to us? He was Emmanuel. He was God with us. Like that was his purpose was to come speak the language of humanity to us, for us. Like that was his job. And when he, that was his work here. If we can give Jesus a personality type, I think he was a sanguine, um, that he was happy to be around everybody, no matter what their ailment was, what their situation was. He was just excited to be with them and to be able to provide their needs. So I think it's awesome that he was a personable, approachable individual that didn't, it didn't matter to him what was going on, that he just wanted to, he wanted to be that friend. He wanted to know what your favorite ice cream was. So um, I just, I appreciate that, that Jesus was a true friend and that he just enjoyed being around people because he is our God. He, he created us to be with us. So I think that was great. No, I, mean, I, I think that's awesome. I mean, to know that there's someone who wants to stick with us that close, but then sometimes I wonder, you know, how do we stick close to him? because it's clear that throughout the scripture, Jesus wants to be close to us. So he, he wants to be there. He wants to be there when we have every success, when we have every failure. But I mean, like, how do I stick close to him? Because I mean, I find it difficult sometimes uh, to, to reach out to him sometimes. I find it difficult to, to do what he asked me to do. You know? So, I mean, for you, you know, any one of you, how, how do you stick close to him? I mean, because I look at Peter, and, and, you know, he was, he dropped everything to follow him. Mm -hmm. I mean, a man that he didn't even really know. And then, you know, he gets on the boat and Jesus tells him to throw your net over. And he's like, I don't think anything's going to happen, but he casts the net over anyway. And next thing he knows, you know, it's full of fish and he's just falling at Jesus's feet. Like, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to I want to follow you. So I mean, how do how do we get that kind of zeal? I think it's a place where you want to be held at a higher standard, to where you want more knowledge. You want to be um, a better individual. And in that same example, um, Peter, something that he's been doing all of his life takes advice from a stranger. He full well know that when he tried with his efforts, there was no fish. But when Jesus, a man who came and it was just something different about him. And for him to get the, you know, the orders to go ahead and let your net down again, 
it shows us that he wanted to be held at a higher standard. He wanted to be obedient, obedient versus the knowledge that he had. So before his prior knowledge is, I've tried to fish over here before. I've tried this. Like, there's nothing there. But when you are called, like, to a higher standard by, like, an authority figure and you really respect that person, it's like, okay, cool, I'll give it another shot. And then when you yield results from being obedient, of course I want to stay with you. To say, what is what is this that you know? I want to continue to thrive in different areas of my life based off my obedience and not just my knowledge. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it comes from your need. Um, you have to know your need of him. And I think in a lot of ways that's, um, that's natural to life, but that's also God's job um, to... Uh, you know, he allows different things. Um, he's in charge of this whole story, I think, since from the beginning. Uh, when you look at the Bible, the old, whole Old Testament, that's the whole story of that is um, God trying to draw people back to him. And then Jesus, ultimately, I mean, that's how it culminates is like, I want to be with you so much that I'm going to come down and actually speak your language and in your culture. Um, but even then, he, he also works in each of our individual stories to create that need so that we even recognize that we need him and to draw to draw us to him. For me, it's the, the language thing really hits on, on how I try to stick close to him. And it's how the way I try to stick close to any relationship I have, and it's communication, mm -hmm. um, talking to a person, um, listening to a person. Um, and it's funny, um, there's a lot of times, like if someone's really uncomfortable, um, you can often, not always, but often get them to be more comfortable by having them talk about themselves mm -hmm. or talk about something they're really interested in, mm -hmm. right? I think a lot. I think I'm very analytical and my mind is constantly going. Um, and so from when I was very young, I kind of like, I'd start to trick myself into, well, instead of just thinking, I'd pray it. And so I'd just be praying everything, all of my normal thoughts. And it just kind of turned into this conversation. And then it turns into, I'm looking for an answer because I'm talking so much. And I'm like, well, Lord, what do you have to say about this? Well, let me read what you have to say. Oh, let me listen and observe around me how other people are interacting. And so for me, it's really communication is, is what that closeness. I think that's key. Any, any relationship oh, you want to yeah. be like around people that you know are going to listen and going to have uh, good conversations. There's nothing, I guess I can think of school, like lectures, mm -hmm. where you're just like, I could care less about whatever you have to say because they're talking at you. It's not a, it's not a conversation. It's just blah, 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 blah. But in your relationships and your friendships, and especially with your relationship with God, you want to have, you know, a, a cyclical-like conversation with him to where you're seeing his responses and you're you're giving him your request and, it, you know, it's being reciprocated. So uh, communication is a big, big deal when it comes to any relationship and being wanting to be around people. Like, if you don't acknowledge me, I don't, I don't want to be around you. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean... I think those, that relationship with him helps when you're, not just when you're going through the good things, but when the bad things happen. I mean, you think about everything that happens in this world. Um, there's so much destruction and death at times, and it's in, not just from a global perspective, but even in your, in your own lives, you know, people come and go. You know, you lose loved ones, you lose friends, and, and you know, things happen, and it's like, well, how do, I, how do I not be discouraged? And I think Jesus is that answer. He, he's sticking close to us so that when we have those periods of, of, of dismay, we can go and turn to him and say, hey, look, I'm just down. I need something. I, I need you to pick me up. And he carries us. I mean, I think about that, the iconic footprints uh, poem and uh, uh, image where he's carrying us through the sand, you know, even when, you know, we're, we're, we can't walk, that he's, he's there, you know, to, to take care of us.
Yeah, and I think that was that's kind of brought out in the lesson too. Um, I really appreciate the story of Jesus in the boat with the disciples. Um, it's a huge storm. Jesus obviously isn't worried about it. He's asleep. Um, the disciples are, you know, repeatedly crying out for him, and then finally he wakes up, stands up, and it's all gone. But I guess that that makes me think of a question. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a time in your life where you felt like there's a storm. I mean, God obviously has to know about it, um, but he's just not listening. Like, is he asleep? And like, when is he going to wake up and do something? I don't know if that's something you guys can relate to. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that when we allow our fears or the circumstances of a storm in our lives to kind of overpower our the evidence that we have of Christ moving in our lives, that, you know, we kind of get a clouded vision. So um, with them being like, do you see all this rain? Like, what are you doing, Jesus? Can't you? And, and I think Jesus was kind of offended to be like, how did you forget yeah. that I'm with you? It's like, but, yeah. but how do we forget? Exactly. But even when he calmed it down, they still had different issues like, what do you mean? Like, is he talking about the bread? Like, we don't have bread. But we forget those monumental experiences and ev like evidence that we have of Christ. As soon as another issue comes up, we have very short-term memory mm. with the blessings that he's given us. Yeah, and, you know, I agree with that. And But I, I do laud the disciples for one thing. They knew where to turn to for help. Mm. I think for us sometimes... We run into those problems, as you said, and we forget where to turn to for help. So we go to our friends, we go to family members, we go everywhere else. You know, we're short on money, we go to the bank. You know, some people go to payday lend, you know, loan lenders, you know, for payday loans. But we forget that the person who, who brings life brings everything. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have to remember that he's in the boat with us in that storm, too. And that all we do have to do is call him. Yeah, but they didn't go sleeping. to the first That's either. That's so dope. Like, <laughs> I've always loved this story. I always love this story because... Um, it's always, I love storms. Like, I love storms. I mean, literal storms. I love the rain. Um, it just, it, it, I feel better when it's constantly raining. The sun just drains me of my energy so much. But, like, I love being in storms. So, and part of it is because, like, growing up on stories like this, where it's like, God's going to do something crazy. Like, he could calm this all right now if he wanted to. Like, if it gets too rough... God's going to show up in a big way, and it's getting really rough. Oh, man, God's going to show up. Like, it gets me really, really excited. So, like, I've always loved this story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think storms bring peace in a way. You know, I might be one of the crazy people who might think that, but, you know, like you said, I, I love hearing the storm. I love hearing the sound of rain and lightning and thunder, and it's, like, one of those things where although things seem to be a bit chaotic outside, that as long as you understand Christ is with you, you, ha you can have that peace that you know that, all right, well, it's, Things are looking bad, but God is going, you know, Jesus is going to wake up and he's going to take care of this. And I think that's really important. I mean, even when we look at, you know, all the natural disasters and things that happen in this world, you know, it, it's, it's that peace. Mm -hmm. He, you know, having Jesus arm in arm with you brings that, you know, to you. Mm -hmm. I think that Jesus, Jesus sleeping was a great way to show that it's nothing is a big deal to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they did. They tried all of they tried to use all of their knowledge. Mm -hmm. This is a storm. Okay, cool. We need to do this to the sails. We need to try and get the stuff overboard. We're going to kick everything off the bo off the boat and everything like that. But Jesus was in the bottom of the boat. That was like their last resort. They probably forgot that he was there because of all the chaos that was going on. And it was just like, you know, it was probably more of a situation where it was like, isn't there another man on this boat? Why isn't he here helping us not die? Like, I don't understand. Why, why does he get to sleep? Like, he's not about to just sleep through this. He needs to come help us get out of this situation. But he 
was the answer to the situation. And Jesus got, he was just like, Jesus, we're going to die, we're going to die. And he came up and he was just like, chill out. And, it, and they were like, oh, I thought you were going to come in. Calm down. Yeah, that's yeah. Just, you were going to help us do it our way. Exactly. That's the way that we know how to save the world. The knowledge. <laughs> Which isn't actually as effective. We as. know the protocol is mm -hmm. to X, Y, and Z. And he's just like, I don't have time for any of that. Mm -hmm. So just stop. Yeah. You know, and looking at that, you know, and what you said, you know, the disciples and in other times in the Bible, the disciples seem to think that they have the answer. And as Christians, we sometimes seem to think we have the answer. We know it all because we've studied some scripture and we've prayed and we talked to God. Oh, well, we've got the answer. We, we kind of put on a cape and, and S on our chest and we want to go save the world because we think we know better than what God knows. And we have to humble ourselves and understand that. All right, I'm working with Jesus. So Jesus, you tell me where I need to go. You send me out. And, and give me the mission. And then through you, I can accomplish great things. And I think that's very important. And, and you, know, move, you know, kind of moving fast forwarding, when we look at this from a perspective of someone who's not a Christian, who hasn't been saved, we know that we have the answer. We know that Jesus will save us from this situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how, how could we encourage someone else who may not have that to, to understand that, you know, God's in control? Because you look at the world and things sometimes look bleak. And, you know, how can we help them? I mean, going back to what you're saying about how we have to spend time with Jesus, um, I really like uh, the, one of the verses that's brought out in the lesson is Mark um, chapter 3, verse 14. And um, Mark 3, 14, it says, uh, then... Oh, sorry, Mark. Mark chapter 3, yeah. 13? Uh, verse 14. 14. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's when Jesus is calling his disciples. Um, he says, Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Um, he, I, I guess it's actually maybe it's 13. It says, And he went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. And then he appointed the twelve. So it's like he, he calls them to himself first before he sends them out. And mm. I think that's what he calls us to do too. He, we can't just be rushing out um, sometimes we, you know, we think maybe it's by guilt or maybe it's because we heard a sermon, like we're supposed to be out there, like, you know, every second saying something. Um, but we can't know how God's going to use us to reach someone else in their own language unless we spend time with him because he's the only one who knows everyone. He knows us. He knows the best timing. Um, so we have to prioritize that coming away with him and trust that he's going to send us out to the right, you know, the right people at the right time. Yeah, and I agree with that because, you know, only by having that connection with him, because you look at when the disciples tried to cast the demon out and they couldn't, and Jesus comes and walks up and goes, why couldn't you do this? Because they weren't spending enough time with him to understand what it is they needed to do. And I think that's important as, as Christians to, to have that relationship, as we said, to, to recognize the importance of that fellowship with Christ and him leading us first as opposed to us lead, trying to lead Christ. Right. You know, we can't pull him along like a little brother and say, all right, Jesus, come with me. And then when we want to go do something without him, we go, all right, Jesus, sit in the corner over here. We'll be back for you later. Here's a toy. Play with it. I'll be back for you. We, we have to always be linked up and arm in arm. And realizing like God is so much bigger than us and his plans and everything. Like like what you're saying, like sometimes we, we just get this own little vision instead of going to him for his vision, which is just, it's huge. We can't even imagine it unless, you know, we're with him. 
So, you know, one of the things I'm curious since we're talking about vision and will and, and what God wants us to do is, has it, you know, I know I can think of a time where I thought I was doing God's will, but it, it probably wasn't. You know, do any of you have any times where that was the case? I think, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking, are we all answering the divine appointments that God has set for us or are we just... Uh, making our own schedules like I believe the Lord would like me to do this so let me go and feed the homeless and God it's a good thing but it might not be what he's actually to do so um, when you said answering the call are you answering his call are you answering your own call sending God to voicemail to be like I'm just going to do what I think or what I've seen other people do try and get my credit really quick and then I'm not really going to do exactly what he wants me to do because I'm not feeling that right now I don't want to leave my job I don't want to sell my house I don't want to do those things so let me supplement with things that I know that are good that I, I should get some credit for but we're not answering the call that God has had on our lives. So I, 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 I tend to, to question, do we why don't we want more of what Christ has for us over what we want for ourselves, understanding that his will is better for us overall? But why are we so selfish with the life that isn't even ours? I mean, I think, you look at the disciples. I mean, one of the things I think about is sometimes God doesn't always ask, or God doesn't always ask us to do something huge, like sell off everything. Sometimes he wants us to do something simple, but to us, it's not big enough. Mm. It, doesn't, it doesn't make a big enough splash. Look at the disciples. They argued constantly about who was the greatest. And when, when Jesus was sitting around and, and he just told them, look, I'm going, to, I'm going to die. You know, the scripture says I'm going to be betrayed and I'm going to be crucified. And, you know, but there's a mission in all this. There is a purpose in all this. And they're too busy wondering who's going to... Who, who does Christ think is the better of all of us? And I think it's important that we have to understand that we've got to do the simple things before God can trust us to do the big things. Yeah. We, we, we just can't, he, he won't send us out to do something major if we haven't even mastered the little tiny aspects of uh, salvation and trust and discipleship that he gives us. Yeah, I think um, even just staying faithful and maybe something that God has called you to do, you're not seeing rewards right away. And I think that's something that I struggle with. Um, maybe that was, I don't know if it's really related to your question, but um, we, you know, we might hear God's voice and then we're like, okay, now I have to make this happen and I have to see, um, you know, if, if I'm teaching a Sabbath school, like now there needs to be lots of people coming or if I'm in a small group or whatever. Um, and you, may not, you might not see it right away, and maybe that's not what God is calling you to do. He might just be calling you to be there. And so is another in place. <laughs> Exactly. And you're just there, you know, yeah, you're, you're planting. There's little things going on you don't even know, but you just have to be where you, where you need to be. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, in my, one instance, um, I was, my wife and I were actually trying to be the, well, we're, we were going to take on trying to do couples ministry at our church. And, you know, we tried and tried. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> it was a difficult task. And, you know, we finally, you know, prayed and prayed about it. And we realized, you know what, maybe that's not the direction God wants us to be used in. And mm -hmm. after we stopped that, I immediately was asked to take on another leadership role and something that was actually fit my skill set and, and technology. And immediately after that, you know, I could start to see God starting to work, things starting to change. And so it's, it's such a dramatic difference when you're operating inside of what God wants you to do as opposed to outside, because you can have the best of intentions, um, but it may not, you know, it may not yield the same results. Right. And that takes humility mm -hmm. to be able to change like that and be flexible. I was going to say, what about fear? 
where does fear come into play with all these awesome assignments and things that God wants us to do? Because fear will stop us right in our tracks. I can't speak. I can't, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough. How does fear come into play? So how do we overcome it? For me, oh, well, I don't know about overcoming it, but for me, uh, fear, I'm, like, I really want what God wants. Like, I want what I want. Oh, I want what I want. <laughs> but I really honestly want what God wants. Like, I, I'm like, no. I mean, if, if this cup can pass, Lord, I don't want to drink this. But if you're saying I have to drink it, I trust that it's going to be best and I want the best situation. But I don't, I'm not sure how to do it, and I'm terrified of doing the wrong thing. Like, I'm constantly questioning, like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I heading in the direction? And trying to look for the fruit to see, like, is it barren fruit? Is the, 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 it looks a little small. Is it, is it supposed to be this small? Like, is, right now, it should be, yeah, it should be a little bit taller, right? It's supposed to be up to my knees by now. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's my biggest thing with fear is, like, Lord, am I on the right path? Am I following mm -hmm. the way? Um, and again, that's where, yeah, is it, um, it the whole with God thing, I think. Um, when we forget who's whose job it is and is he big enough to keep it growing even if we don't know about it yeah yeah he is but we, but <laughs> we spoiler alert. i mean i'm not gonna yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you can discover that on your own but yes no i i, I definitely agree i mean and then talking about fear you know sometimes i think about the ultimate fear the fear of dying mm. you know christ wasn't afraid to die how i mean that's just amazing mm. like what state of mind do you have to be in to understand that, you know, I'm prepared to die, you know? And suffer. I, yeah. Yes. Say that right now, because my parent, my grandmother pounded that into my head that death is asleep, mm -hmm. um, and so like, yeah, I've just always been like, sleep is pretty awesome, like, mm -hmm. and and when you consider like the fact that dying in Christ, I mean, that's what baptism is supposed to be about anyway, but like, um, participating in his death. When you consider that fact, actual death like going to sleep and then waking up to Christ returning. Right. I've never woken up to something that was better than sleep. I always wake up thinking, man, I want to go back to sleep. But to wake up and be like, my God, like there, he's the, my God. That would be amazing. That would be dope. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so much better than what Jesus, you know, he didn't, he yeah, went he into that suffer. not. Like, yeah, he, and he didn't yeah, necessarily, yeah. you know, I think, there's a place where somewhere that says that he didn't, he couldn't necessarily see beyond the tomb, um, but I think it was his faith in his father. Even there was, though there was times where he did not feel his father's presence. Mm. He had faith, like, okay, this was the plan. I don't even know if it's gonna work, but like I gotta hold on. And I think there's sometimes where it feels like that, even for us, even even in times of uh, really darkness, like even facing death, um, we have to hold on to that. Faith. And we even have more because we have Jesus, I think. Well, he was definitely focused on his on his purpose mm -hmm. and the mission that he'd be called to. When you're in your zone, you really don't care what happens outside your zone. You are going after what you go after. I can, you know, compare it to sports. Your only goal is to put the ball in your hoop and keep the other team from putting the ball in their hoop. And you're not worried about running. You're not worried about sweating. You're not worried about the pain that you're going to experience the next day. You are on the purpose for your goal. You're going to help your team win no matter what. And when we develop that understanding for our purpose and the mission that God has called us on, mm -hmm. nothing can take us out of our zone, especially when Christ is like the center and he, you know, has yoked up with us and we're going full force. Like when you're in the like, I'm, I'm looking for the yeah. zone, like being in the zone with Christ like, because nothing will distract you, even sleep, which is... Is very. I love naps. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. How do we stay in the zone, though? I think, um, well, I'll just ask that. How do we stay in the zone? Mm. And that's a difficult one because your analogy about sports was awesome about basketball because it reminded me of some highlights I saw of, of a player and I mean he was just on fire the entire game but most of the time player at the next game they're not playing so great you know they may not be playing as, as good as they did the last time so trying to stay in the zone is, is spending time going back to the going back to the film looking at what you've done with Christ and, and how you can get your relationship even further, you know, spending more time in, stu in study with him and more time worshiping with him and, and, and just doing those things that connect you closer to Christ. I think that's important to keep you in the zone so that the next trial that comes through, you're, you're just going through it and you're just, all right, God, we got this, we got this, we can do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that for me is, is how you stay in the zone. And I think it's also practice. And in comparison mm -hmm. to like spirituality and like sports, practice is like the equivalent of faith. You have to practice your faith. You have to continue to try the things that God has asked you to do, even maybe if you don't have the knowledge for it or even if you're not that great in it. But, you know, they say here practice makes perfect. But the more that you extend your faith, like you believe that God is limitless and that you can do all things through Christ really and truly. So um, you got to you have to practice your faith. You have to, to, to stay in the zone. You have to continue to push towards the mark. You have to continue to strengthen your body and your mind and your spirituality um, and things like that to, to stay in the zone. Because just like you say, a player can be on fire one game, think that they got it all together, sit at home and do nothing for the next week, and come and look like a loser the very next game. They're still the same player. Their practices were just different. So if you're not continuing to do those different things to, to maintain or to get better, then, of course, eventually you're going to believe that you can't do it. And I think, uh, to go back to the sports analogy, remembering your place on the team. Like, it's not your team. You're on someone else's team. You're someone else's servant. It's not your work. It's not your ministry. You're participating in Christ's ministry. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you don't have to worry about all the stuff that he has to worry about. You have to be like, well, he's going to take care of that. He just passed me the ball and told me to be the shooting guard, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm oh, sorry. Well, I was just thinking you guys are um, also referencing a lot of Scripture, and, that, and that's, to me, I think, what, what you base it on mm. is um, those promises that never change, and in every situation they might be handled a little bit differently, looked at a little differently. But that's how you know what your place is on the team, um, where you're going, what your mission is. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, as a team, you know, as members of the body, you know, we have to understand that Christ is the head. He is the ultimate head. He's the coach. He's the one that's calling the plays. He's telling us what to run. And as Christians, being arm in arm with him, we have to run the play that's called. And we have to do it, you know, we have to do it with precision. We don't, we can't take time to sit there and debate and wonder, should we do it? Should we not do it? Oh, well, I see a better play coming. I see something different. You know, let me do it my way. We, we can't, we can't do it on our own. We have to follow the script that he's given us. Can't be the super savior ball hog. No, we, we can't do that. And, <laughs> and it's very important uh, that we just make sure that we work with him every step of the way. And that as long as we're working with him, he's there working with us. And there's no question about it. Um, you know, no matter what may come, no matter what storm, no matter what problem, you know, trials will come and go. But our faith in Christ and his love for us will never change. All right, so thank you all for joining us today. It's been a wonderful discussion. And also, I want to take time to thank you, the viewer. If you want to see more videos, go to www.sabbathschoolu.org. Once again, www.sabbathschool, the letter U.org.